Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Praise God. I want to talk to you tonight about the impact of having an encounter with God. Having an encounter with God. Just think about that statement alone. The impact of having a personal encounter with the living God. Hmm. Wow. It's life changing. It's revolutionary. It can do a whole lot more than a thousand sermons in many people's lives. No, no question about it. And we know that whether it's throughout history, in the past, or even present times that we know, many have encountered God in a very special, special way. And those encounters have moved them in such a place in their lives, from their hearts, that they want to serve God faithfully and honor Him by living for Him and carrying out the purpose of His will for their lives. They want to live for God. Why? Because they've been transformed by that particular encounter. Before we look at some biblical characters, I just think about individuals like, well, where I'm with the school, Kenneth Hagin Ministries. And I think about the encounter that he had uh, with God. Yes, he saw Jesus. See, there were eight appearances of Jesus, I do believe, that he had in his life. But even before those appearances, when he was 16 years old on a deathbed, he descended into the realms of darkness where he was at the porthole of hell and encountered things that are just beyond comprehension and then was brought back up by the power of God and as he entered into his body for the third time is when he accepted Christ as his Savior and was born again. And after that he then once again left his body and went up on his way to glory. The Lord spoke to him and said, go back and teach my, fifth, my people faith. And for the rest of his life. I think he was 17 around that time and then he died at 86. So for all those years, you talk about an impact that encounter had with him. It was revolutionary, life changing. And as a result, of course, you know, we've, we've all learned a lot just from his example and his encounter with God. Then also I thought about another one, Bob Weiss. Anybody ever see his video, 23 Minutes in Hell. I know we showed it here at the church once. But here is a born-again uh, Christian who had this encounter. And not only did he descend into the realms of hell, it was basically like in a vision form. But he actually encountered it, experienced it. I just watched myself a little bit of it recently. Uh, once again, just to refresh my, my mind about it. And when he makes a statement such as, it's more horrific than you think. And the modern church of today, many are just kind of backing away and shying away from uh, the fact that it's a reality. And basically stating that, oh, it's just, you know, what you're going through on earth is more of a hell situation than there, than there is a really literal place. But I tell you, if you were to hear his testimony, it would impact you in such a way you wouldn't even be, be able to imagine it. Um, and, and so once again, he was not only taken there, but he was also escorted up to glory and saw some things up there. 
And then you think about some of these others that had near-death experiences. I think about my son Andrew, the encounter that he had. I, I don't know about you, but when you think about a young boy, 16 years old, when I, you may think I'm exaggerating, but I am not. I get text messages from him every day. Dad, do you think if I put this on, on YouTube, it'll make Jesus come back faster? Because I've told him he's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. He said, well, how many is that? And I said, well, he knows. I don't know. The precious fruit of the earth. He said, you mean if we get more people to come to Jesus, then he'll come? I said, well, yeah, that's the whole idea. And the more we get, the sooner he's going to come. He goes, I'm on it. I mean, he's just on it. He's on YouTube and he's putting on his testimony. He's telling people. He goes, and also he wants to make it clear so that when the ones that are left behind, he goes, you think if I wrote this over here and just told them that, look, you've been left behind, but here's the truth, that they can get saved then? I said, go for it, son. You know, and, and that's exactly what it, he's 16 years old and that's all he's ever talked about. That's all he talks about. That's all he does is to continue to witness for Jesus. You know, and obviously when Jesus said, go back and tell them, you know, and, and tell people about me, he took it to heart. You just can't sit a young person down like that and just say, I'm going to instill that into them. I'll tell you what, when he had that encounter with Jesus, I mean, that was it. Then, of course, we have men like Moses and a burning bush experience, right? And as a result of the burning bush experience, what happened to him with that encounter with God? Well, that encounter basically impacted two nations. Egypt was shaken to its foundation, and Israel was set on the course to the promised land, right? And, of course, there's many other things that took place as a result of his obedience to do that. But remember, of course, we understand that he, even in that encounter, felt as though that he wasn't qualified or equipped to do it. But you know what? We're going to find out tonight that no matter what we think, God knows more than what we know. And God can make up the difference in our lives. Aren't you glad for that? Whom he calls, he equips. He will enable us to do whatever it is that he calls us to do. Then you think about Isaiah. Isaiah had an encounter with God. He saw the Lord high and lifted up and full of glory. He caught a vision of the holiness of the glory of God. And that's really what the glory of God is. It's the holiness of God in manifestation. And you talk about the impact that had upon his life. He had a revelation of his own personal shortcomings and faults and all that. Of course, he was cleansed because God always makes provision by the coal that came off from the sacrifice, the fire of the sacrifice. And got him ready and prepared to do what it was that God had for him to do. You talk about impacting, you know what happened with Isaiah, uh, the prophet of God. But we'll talk about him a little bit more later. And then also, you think about Paul and what a, an amazing encounter with God. Here's a person who's on a Damascus road. He's got papers in his hands. He's going to destroy anyone who calls himself or herself a Christian. He has set out to do this, thinking that God has ordained it and God's in favor of it and that he's doing God a favor in doing so. He just got done seeing to it that Stephen was martyred. And they brought all the clothes, whatever the paraphernalia that he had put at the feet of, of Paul, Saul of Tarsus then, you know, carrying out what his wishes were. And now he's on a mission. But guess what he has? He has an encounter with Jesus. This man is educated, highly educated. He is religious. He's a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He knows the scriptures inside and out. 
He's a holy man. But he believes that his mission is to destroy Christianity at its roots and continue to promote Judaism. Well, he had an encounter with Jesus. You try sitting down talking with him before he had an encounter with Jesus and see how far you would get. But I'm telling you, when he encountered Jesus on that Damascus road, what a life change. A 180, a complete turnaround took place in his life. Now instead of wanting to destroy Christianity, he's proclaiming it with a loud voice. You can't get that done or those kind of results in the life of someone who just wants to do his own thing and goes on way. I'm not saying it can't be done, but it's not as easy as that. Which is why I believe what we should be doing is when we're praying for people, man, Lord, show yourself to this person. Let them have an encounter with you. It could be your son. It could be your daughter. It could be your spouse. It could be your grandchildren. And the list goes on and on. It could be a co-worker that you're working with. Open their eyes, Lord, that they might see you, that they might encounter you, that they might experience you in a very powerful and profound way. Because only you can penetrate those hearts. Only you can penetrate those souls, those heads, and so on. And then, of course, ladies, we have Mary. Mary had an encounter with an angel. His name was Gabriel. And he delivered a message to her. And this message absolutely transformed her life. Among women, think about it. Who's more known than Mary? Her life was changed forever. She is a woman above all women. Why? Because God hand-selected her to provide a body for the second person of deity to be born into this world. Oh, glory be to God. Imagine what an honor it is. It impacted her not just physically, you know, becoming pregnant with the Son of God, but also it impacted her in her soulish realm and spiritual realm. Look at the verses here in Luke's Gospel, chapter 1. This is after, of course, that she was impregnated. Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaid. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. And boy, was she right about that. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. You think she ever forgot that encounter with Gabriel? And when she was overshadowed by the power of the Spirit of Almighty God, I don't think she ever forgot that. You think she ever forgot giving birth to the Son of the living God and looking into His face and recognizing and realizing that this body has been provided for the second person of deity in this hypostatic union of deity and humanity? And of course, we're celebrating this month, Christmas, and it doesn't matter what day Jesus was born. The fact is he was born. And it was a hypostatic union. And that's why he is the only way, only truth, and only life. And no one makes it to the Father except through him. Amen? So these are encounters that these individuals had with the living God. Well, what about uh, the apostles? And what about others, like 500 others at one time? They saw him after his resurrection. Think about the impact of the encounters that they had. The, the apostles were what? Cowards. 
hiding in fear. Didn't believe even the women that came and said he's alive. It took them to be convinced to go and see the empty tomb. But once they did and they saw him, even Thomas when he saw him, you talk about an impact. This impacted their lives in such a way their cowardice became boldness. And they rose up with a loud voice and they shouted from the mountaintops that he is alive from the dead, forevermore victorious, unashamedly proclaiming it, not concerned about their well-being whatsoever. You think anybody could have sat down with them and convinced them to do this otherwise? You see, an encounter with God is so powerful. It is so impacting. And it will take us to places we probably never think we would go or could be. My personal encounter with God. You know, you could have many encounters with God, but the one speaking with a loud voice, audible voice, and telling me you'll be the next pastor of that church set the course for my life. If it were not for that voice, I would have said absolutely, positively not. I will not do such a thing. But I heard the voice of the Lord loud, clear, like I'm speaking to you tonight. And that's what he said. And so that loud voice in my encounter caused me to say yes and follow whatever it is that I felt he had for me to do by coming here to the church and becoming the pastor. And I'm sure you're out there yourself and you can think about times that you've had a personal encounter with the living God. What did it do? How could it change us? Well, look here at Isaiah. Look at Isaiah chapter 6. Let's talk about some of this. Isaiah's encounter. Uh, even before I get into all this right now, I had a completely different message already. I'd spent hours on it. This one I spent minutes on. But I knew that this is what the Lord said. This is what you ought to do. You think I would learn by now? Instead of spending hours and hours and hours knowing I'm plowing up against a stump. You know what I mean by that? Like getting nowhere. And then you get it. Finally you go, okay, this is it. Then you come to the office and you sit down and you go, and no, it's not. Okay, Lord. Okay, let's do it. Notice this encounter. You could call that an encounter with God too. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Aren't those words easy to read? Can you imagine what they just said to us? He saw the Lord high and lifted up upon a throne. His train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each, had, each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. With twain he covered his feet. And with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another. He said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried in the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone. His wife been trying to tell him that for a long time. He just couldn't get the message. Because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. 
Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here I am, send me. All right. So first of all, in this encounter, the first thing we point out is that there was clarity. That's number one. There was clarity. He saw the Lord. There's no darkness here between him and the Lord. There's no veil before him and the Lord. He saw him in his rightful glory. A holy God. Angels crying out holy. His train filling the temple. I mean, this is clarity. He sees him as he is. He has an open understanding of what God is all about. We can talk about God. We can worship God. But I'll tell you what. Nothing can be more impacting than seeing him. Now, I'm sure that there was something that prevented his death. Because you can't see the Lord and live. But whatever that was, that's okay. He saw enough of him to know that he is a holy God. And as a result of him seeing him on the throne, as a result of seeing him worship by these angels, as a result of hearing holy, 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 he was impacted in such a way that number two, what he saw was conviction fall upon his own life. See, you don't need your wife to tell you this if you get it from God. And vice versa, your husband as well. Sometimes we are hard-headed and we just don't get it. Can we agree to that? And sometimes, you know, we've really got to be pushed in the right direction. Sometimes we don't want to because our flesh gets in the way. But I'm telling you, when you have an encounter with God like this, it will speak volumes to you without words. And he saw the very presence of the living God. His own life was illuminated before his, himself. The light of God's scrutiny was upon him. He located himself. He said, I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell with the people of unclean lips. I'm undone. My goodness, he didn't know what to do. So think about that just for a moment. Here we are trying to convince people, talk to people, preach to people, and so on and so forth. But one encounter like this can make all the difference in the world, in a person's life. And that's why, once again, I just believe we need to continue lifting people up before the Lord. Lord, open up their eyes. Like a compass, he was pointed in the right direction. He saw some things that needed to be dealt with. He saw his own shortcomings. He saw some limitations as a result of maybe the people that he was surrounded by. But whatever, it was open. It was clear. There was clarity. There was conviction. I can't do this on my own. I need help. Aren't you glad, number three, that there's cleansing? Thank God there is cleansing. The coal came off from the fire and cleansed his tongue, his lips, and purged his sin. Aren't you glad that 
we don't have to have a cold that comes off the fire because we've got the purging, cleansing blood of Jesus Christ that can cleanse us from all sin and make us right before the very presence of Almighty God. We can stand before the throne of God without that sense of guilt and condemnation because we've been cleansed by the precious blood of Jesus. In other words, he saw the problem, but God took care of it. God's hand was upon him, praise God, and, and he cleansed his attitudes, his, uh, everything that stood between him and him carrying out God's will for his life. And then finally, number four, we have commission. Now he is equipped. Now he is ready and set to go and do what God had called him to do. Actually, he volunteers for it. Send me. I'll go. Take that and apply it to your life in my life. Are we in a place that we really want to encounter with, have an encounter with God that help, helps us clearly see what it is that God's all about and what it is that he would have us to do? Are we willing to get that revelation of the holiness of Almighty God that we can, even though maybe being convicted by some shortcomings in our lives, realize and recognize that He won't call us to do something He doesn't equip us to do, and He will cleanse us to do it as well. And so we can just stand before His throne and just say, yes, I'm open to it. So there's clarity, there's conviction, there's cleansing, but then finally, commission. I'm going to do it. Really, we want to twist arms to get people to do things. And it seems like if we just tell them, maybe worship a little more, maybe be more expressive in what you're doing, or sign up to do this and sign up to do that, I'll tell you something right now. If a person ever got a glimpse of God saying, I have gifted you, I've given you abilities, I have a plan for you, I've got something great for you in store. And you know what? If you'll seek me with your heart, you'll know what it is. I want to show it to you. I want to make it clear to you. I want to equip you to enab and enable you to do what I've called you to do. Can you imagine how many people would step forward and just say, I'm ready. Like Isaiah said, I'm ready. I'm going to do it. But you see, once again, it's important that we recognize the need for us to truly have an encounter with God. Not just to say, I read three, three chapters today. Maybe studied a couple of verses today. But I mean really letting Him know, I want to know you. I want to see you. I want to encounter you. I want to have a dialogue with you. I want clarity in my life. I want vision to see through eyes that your eyes see through. Not mine, but yours. I want that vision of what you have for me, Lord, because that's what I want to carry out. Can you imagine him honoring that? And whatever it is, whatever he does to give you that encounter, your life is so impacted by that that you'll, you'll be transformed. And no one will have to twist your arm. You're not going to be the same person as you once were. You'll be like a Paul. You'll be like a Moses and these others transformed by this encounter that you have with the living God. And then um, notice Paul's encounter. Look in that book of Acts chapter 9. Here this man is breathing out 
threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, think about it, doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem, and as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly, here's the encounter, suddenly, mm, there shined round about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth, and he heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished. Oh, this bold man. This mighty warrior. This one that was going forth. Could never be intimidated. All of a sudden, he is trembling. He's astonished. And he says, Lord, what will you have me to do? Hmm. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, go into the city. It shall be told thee what thou must do. So here's this man who's doing what he wants to do. But I want you to see this. He's doing what he wants to do. But you see, his motive is this. He believes he's doing God a service. He believes that what he is doing is important to advance the things of God in the earth. He's against Christ or the disciples of Christ. He's against Christianity. He's promoting Judaism. And he believes that it's being threatened by Christianity. And so he has taken it upon his own shoulders to see to it that he kills every person who calls himself or herself a Christian. Period. Stamp it out. Wipe it out. Destroy every one. And then you'll put it to death. He must have been pretty effective in what he was doing to have this kind of encounter with Jesus. Hey, Saul, what do you think you're doing here? See, he was, he had his own physical sight, but he didn't have the right spiritual sight. And when he was blinded physically, he then began to see spiritually. Isn't it sad that sometimes we got to get to that place ourselves? That something, maybe not of this magnitude, but something happens that we humble ourselves before God. And we truly have a heart that's open to see things the way he wants us to see them. So what happens to this man? He sees the error of his way. And now he follows the orders. He gets instruction. And what happens to him? Number one, clarity. He saw Jesus before as a threat to Judaism. He saw him as some individual that could have been demonized or demon-possessed. All the works that he did by Beelzebub, as others said. He had no understanding, no revelation of who Jesus really was until he was blinded on that road. And that encounter opened up his eyes and he saw things from a different perspective. And in a different light. And now because of this encounter. He has clarity. He must have been the Messiah. Can you imagine what probably was going through his mind. And his heart. When he got that revelation. My goodness. He was the Messiah. I'm so schooled and so learned in Judaism. 
all the signs were there. The prophets and all that they spoke of him and all that they said about him. I should have seen it. What was I doing? What was I thinking? He had a long time to think before he ever got delivered, didn't he? He had a few days of fasting and prayer. Where if you can only imagine what he rehearsed in his mindset as a result of this one encounter. He thought this thing clearly through. He has clarity. He has conviction. Oh my Lord, what will you have me to do? I've been doing my own thing. I've been doing what I thought was right. I've been doing what I wanted to do. Now, I might have been sincere in my motive, but I can see I was sincerely wrong in what I was doing. Now there's conviction. And I know that conviction was something that he had to deal with because if you recall at a later time, what did he say? I should be considered less than least of all the saints. I'm the one that persecuted the church of God. I'm the one that had to get over the fact that I was the one trying to destroy what God was doing. So, thank God, number three, there was what? Cleansing. Oh, thank God, thank God for the cleansing of every sin-sick soul. You think there would have been anybody, any one of those apostles that could have sat down with Saul of Tarsus and said, Hey Saul, let's talk. Let's, let's meet at Starbucks, have a cup of coffee, and sit down and let's talk a little bit, have some dialogue about, about Jesus of Nazareth. Huh. There's no way. He'd have tried to throw him in prison. But one encounter with Jesus on the Damascus Road this man writes two-thirds of the New Testament. Think about that. This man then is caught up into heavens, into the heavens and sees things that are unlawful to be spoken. And God used him mightily, addressing kings. As a matter of fact, King Agrippa was one of the ones, you see, he talked about his testimony to. And remember, when you have that kind of, a, of an encounter with God, you don't forget it. You don't even have to write it down. You know it. And so he stands before King Agrippa. This is 17 years later. And what does he do? He tells him the whole story. I was the one that was going about killing Christians. I was the one throwing them into prison. And whether they were men, women, who doesn't matter to me. I was the one that was doing all this. When all of a sudden, oh King Agrippa, I saw a light brighter than the noonday sun. And he, he rehearses his whole entire testimony. And what does King Agrippa say? Almost, Paul, you made me, persuaded me to become a Christian. Almost. He said, Paul said, would to God it would have been not just you, but everybody that's hearing me or listening to me. So when it came to his sharing his encounter with other people, he did so with boldness. And he did so in such a way so as to impact these people's lives. You see, when you have this encounter, you've got something to testify. You've got something to witness with. You're proclaiming the truth. You know, what is a witness? Jesus said, when you receive the Holy Ghost, you're going to be my what? Witness. witness. You're going to receive power from on high. And what's the purpose for the power on high? To be my witness. You're to be my truth teller. So what is a witness? One who goes into the court of law and tells what he knows to be true. Remember John said in his epistle, in 1 John chapter 1, he said, We which have seen, heard, and handled of the word of life. 
We've witnessed him. We've seen him with our own eyes. We handled him with our own hands. We saw him raise up from the dead. And so therefore, I'm telling you something, not that I think, but something that I know. So when you go into a court of law, think about it. They want to know something that you know, that you've seen, that you've heard, that you've felt, whatever. You are there as a witness to what? The truth. And so here he is witnessing to the truth. Something that I know, that I know, that I know. And as a result, of course, look what he did. Look how many people came to Christ as a result of it. Well, you and I are to witness to the truth. And one way that we can do that is by using our own personal testimony. Does anybody here know that Jesus saves? How do you know? Because you know you. You know you, B.C., right? Before Christ. And you know you after Christ came into your heart. And you're glad you're not who you were before Christ. And you are now who you are in Christ. Because there's a big difference between the two. When God gets a hold of you, He transforms your life. He changes you from the inside out. It's an encounter, praise God, that is life-transforming. And so this happened to Saul of Tarsus. And in his commission, he was commissioned to go out and do what? Proclaim the truth. And look what he did, writing two-thirds of the gospel. I mean, of the uh, epistles. Notice this next statement. Uh, first of all, look at the, let's look at these uh, verses. Look at verse 17 of Acts chapter 9 first. Let's throw those out there. I don't want to ignore them. And, and Ananias went his way and encountered and, and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, this is the cleansing. The Lord even Jesus that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest hath sent me that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Then of course he was baptized in water. So there's his cleansing right there. Cleansed from all sin, filled with the Holy Ghost and power. And then look at verse 15. Because this is his commission. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Think about this impact even in our society today. Because of these encounters with God, we calculate time differently than we did before. B.C. and A.D. It's all because of this one person's life. And these others that have had these impact, or these encounters that have impacted their lives that they passed on to others. Okay. What about us? What does it mean for us? Sometimes we won't get clarity until we have an encounter. And we've got to be sincere and serious about an encounter. We may have had them in the past, but you know, sometimes we need a fresh encounter with God. Sometimes what we do, we fill our time with maybe reading books, watching programs, uh, you know, even on TV, like on TBN or whatever, some Daystar or whatever. But sometimes it just means get alone with God. Get yourself into an isolated place and say, I'm not coming out without a fresh encounter, fresh oil, fresh revelation, whatever. Lord, I mean business with you. I'm ready to be impacted by what you have to say to me. And we've got to be bold about it because 
there's going to come conviction. Because number two is conviction. Okay, what do I need to do? What do I need to change in my life to experience a greater manifestation of your glory in my life? What do I need to do? Because I know you don't need to change at all. You are perfect in all your ways. But you know what? I recognize the fact that I can have more. I can experience more. I can walk in a greater anointing and greater power. I can walk with greater faith. But I know that I need your help along the way. So Holy Spirit of God, I'm going to set myself aside. I'm going to wait in your presence. And I'm believing you're going to bring clarity to me. I'm believing you're going to, I know there's conviction going to come upon my soul. But I'm also open for the cleansing because I know that the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ, no matter what stands between us, is all sufficient to deal with anything that can stop it from happening. Well, aren't you glad for that continuous flow of the blood of the Lamb? And then I know that whatever it is that you're impacting my life with, it's not just for my own good. It's for the good of everybody that's around me. Yeah, it might bless me, but it's going to make me a blessing to other people. I'm going to be more in tune with you. I'm going to have a greater revelation, maybe of your love, of your glory, of your power, of your divine ability. But I know, praise God, that as a result of this encounter that I have with you, I'm transformed and I'm going to be setting myself out to help transform the life of other people. Now, in closing, we position ourselves to experience a fresh encounter in these ways. Number one, in Matthew 26 and verse 39, surrendering our will to God. Not my will, Lord, but your will be done in my life. And that's exactly what Jesus said. He went a little further, fell on his face. He prayed and saying, oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not, not as I will, but as you will. I surrender and submit my will to do your will, Father. I want what you want for my life. And even though Jesus, I'm sure, was concerned about going to the cross and becoming sin for us and all that it entailed, it wasn't a pleasant thing for him to face. But yet he was willing to do it. Because he surrendered his will to the will of the Father. And that's exactly where we need to be. I want your will done in my life, not mine. I want to do what you want me to do, not what I want to do. And I know that's going to maybe, you know, create some change in my life. But Lord, that's what I want. Number two, seeking with the whole heart. Jeremiah 29 and verse 13, seeking with the whole heart. And you shall seek me, you shall find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. We can't make him give us a fresh encounter. But we can sure position ourselves to have a fresh encounter. Lord, I'm just, I'm not going to let this thing go. I am not going to let it go. I want a fresh revelation of what it is that I can do in my life to be more pleasing to you. To be more effective in serving you. And carrying out your will for my life. I want to experience a greater anointing in my life. Or maybe even greater boldness to proclaim Jesus everywhere I go. You know, to be honest with you, in a court of law, who are you witnessing before? The judge and the jury? Right? And who are you telling the truth to? The judge and the jury? Well, guess what? 
The world is our courtroom. The world is our courtroom. Our Judea, Samaria, Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth, everywhere we go, we are truth tellers. We are witnesses for Jesus. And that takes boldness for us to be able to be effective in doing so. And sometimes we can get so stagnant when it comes to really witnessing like we should. We just need a fresh encounter. We just really need to get a better revelation of what it means to be in, in the lake of fire throughout eternity. Sometimes go on your computer and put on Bill Weiss's uh, 23 Minutes in Hell. Oh my. Get a description of that. He was so frightened by this, even afterwards, it was horrific. He said, in your flesh, you couldn't even stand it. When he described where the worm dies not and the fire is never quenched, where the worms just keep eating your flesh and eating your flesh and eating your flesh, and then all of a sudden the flesh comes back on, you know, because it's an eternal spirit being that will never die. The flesh will even also never die. It's eternal. And then the worms keep eating it and eating and eating, and then it's gone, then it comes back. And over and over and over again. And the fire burns you up and then it just comes back. Over and over and over again. It brought a deeper revelation and understanding of what it, what it really is like to be you know, in a lake of fire. Sometimes I think in our, in our Christianity today, it's not even addressed much from behind the pulpits anymore. People don't want to hear a message about hell. Think about it. Everybody that goes to a funeral, they're preached in heaven. I'll tell you what, there's, there's certain ways around that, though. If is a big word. And when I don't know that I know, I say if. If your loved one knew Jesus, if your loved one was in, washed in the blood of the Lamb, then praise God, your loved one is with Him in glory. But if not, we know the revelation, don't we? And, you know, we can't beat around the bush with that. Because some people think that it... You know, when you leave this round, everybody goes to heaven. Well, that's not true. Next, we need to learn to be still in our emotions. Really be still in our emotions. Notice in the scripture, Psalm 46 and verse 10. If you read the first, let's say verses before this, verse 1, God's my refuge and strength, the very present help in times of trouble. Though the earth be removed... And mountains cast to the midst of the sea. Therefore will I not fear. Okay. So even though something like that occurs. I'm not going to fear. And he gets to the point where he says. Look it's time to be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still in our emotions. And know that he is God. Have you ever been in a situation. Where your emotions just run wild. In that particular situation. And you got to say calm down. Be still. I'm forgetting I serve the living God. We serve the King of glory. And amen. He has our back. He'll take care of us. He'll see us through uh, to victory. So be still and know that he is God. And then ask him to expose what needs changed. We won't take time to read Psalm 32. It's the whole thing. You can read that whole thing and you can see where the psalm writer David, you know, had to expose some, had some things exposed where he had to get rid of and repent and that sort of thing. But hey, Lord, I'm, I'm open to it. If there's something I've got to let go of, I've got to let go of this. Okay, why? Because I want to experience you in a greater way in my life. So expose me. Shine the light of your scrutiny upon my life. Enable me to see it clearly. And the next one. 
Resist the thoughts. Resist the thoughts. They're going to come against our minds to do things our own way. We've got to resist that. You know, we're all that way. We're built that way. Every one of us thinks that the way we're doing it is the right way to do it. Because that's all we know, maybe. But God knows a whole lot more than we do. And we need to cast down every thought and imagination that says, look, if you do it this way, it's a whole lot better. Go ahead and partake of the tree. It's going to make you wise. Oh, really? I don't think so. If she would have said, no, I cast down that thought and that imagination. It exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I'm not doing that. I'm not going with that. Can you imagine what the world would have been like had they not sinned and put us in the predicament that we're in right now? So we got to do the same thing. You're going to be bombarded in your thought life about why you shouldn't be doing it. You shouldn't be seeking God. You shouldn't be wanting a fresh encounter, etc., etc., etc. You don't need to. You're satisfied with where you're at. Just be satisfied and go on from there. But you'll be stagnant and you'll never grow as a Christian. And you won't experience greater things that God has. But every single one of us needs to make a decision that I want. I want to go further in the things of God. And the next one. Uh, thank God for his manifested presence to continue daily in our lives. In Hebrews chapter 13 verses 5 and 6. This is something that he said. He said let your conversation or lifestyle be without covetousness and be content with such things that you have. For he hath said, he hath said, God hath said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So that you may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I'm not going to fear what man should do unto me. Who's our helper? He is. And where is he? Right present with us. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You know, in our feelings, there are times we feel as though that God is nowhere to be found. In our thinking, sometimes we think that God is nowhere to be found. But we have a revelation of his word that says he will never leave, he will never forsake, that we may boldly say, boldly say, Lord, you're my helper. In this situation, you're my helper. And I know you will not leave me, so I'm not going to fear anything. I'm just going to look to you, keep my eyes upon you. And lastly, I am going to worship you and I am going to praise you because I know you inhabit the praises of your people. Hebrews 13, 15 tells us, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips, continually giving thanks to his name. So I'm going to praise you. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to thank you. And if we apply all these particular points in our lives, we can position ourselves, praise God, to have an encounter with God that is trans life transforming, absolutely life changing, something that will enable us to rise up to a higher place of experience in God. Amen. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound. 
and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence to God first and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you and God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and I'll accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.